Hey, this is Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian, host of the Badass Women's Council podcast. Did you know the Badass Women's Council is not just a podcast, but it also is an online community that you can jump into as a career woman so that you can enjoy reflection and connection in more practical, tactical ways. You can go to badasswomenscouncil.community and join for free. We have a weekly session called Talking with Humans every Thursday at 3.30 Eastern Time and also a paid subscription if you want to kick it up a notch and join the master class, the badass master class. So we'd love to see you there. Jump in. Hey, on today's episode, we have Jif Chapman and Des Garcia. Jif has a profound story of being wildly successful in a corporate sales career and suffering a stroke, which obviously isn't something that she saw coming, and how reaching out to a coach does profoundly impacted her ability to process this life event and how it has transformed her career today. So this is the story of reflection and connection. Here we go. Hello, ladies. How's it going? Great. Jeff, so how are you? Good. <laughs> so we've got Jeff and Des on the show today. Um, I don't often have multiple guests on the show, but it is one of my favorite things because it's just layered and lovely and rich when we can have more voices and more parts to the story. So today we're going to talk about what it means to live well in community. We're going to talk about what it means to reach out and ask for help. We just have a lot of um, this. Y'all's story is the epitome of reflection and connection, which is the tagline of the podcast. So just to set the stage a little bit, if this starts out as your story and then you bring Des in. Um, tell us a little bit about you and your story and some of the things that you've been through that have gotten us to this place to talk about connection. Yeah, thank you so much. I am born and raised in Indianapolis and um, graduated Ball State in 04 and chirp, chirp. started... <laughs> and started and started the... Uh, I spent 15 years in corporate sales um, and was excelling at every position that I had and, and moving up the ranks. And um, my best year was in, in 2016, I hit the pinnacle of sales and I hit President's Club. And I didn't know how much weight that carried on a professional level until after I did it. Um, and, I, and I say that because it was right around my birthday in June when I turned 34. And I, I just wanna set the stage with that realization when I was 34 of, losing my mom because she was 34 when she passed. So although I'm on this like professional high, I had this moment that this epiphany, like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm 34. Yes, I'm doing well. I, I take care of myself, but I feel so young still. Like I still have so much I want to do and, and achieve and be. And my mom was 34. And I just remember I was 11 at the time. So all I knew as a kid that was already a challenging experience in and of itself. Um, but yeah, to have that, that epiphany. So, so nine months later, I'm cruising along and, and um, still thriving in my, in my sales career and was 
getting ready to step into a new role with that company in March of 2017. I'm getting ready to start it on a Thursday. And so I know, I just remember on Wednesday, I, I went for like a four or five mile run, like feeling really good, nothing, nothing off base. And then that Thursday morning waking up and I was home by myself at the time and, and just got overwhelmingly dizzy um, and sweating profusely through my clothes, like really quickly, like all within a couple of minutes. And I remember laying down thinking, I know this isn't right, but I'm going to hope that it subsides and goes away and we'll address it later. And when a couple more minutes went by and it didn't, the, the dizziness got worse. And I called my aunt, who, who is my, my person, aside from my dad, she was my mom's sister and just always a really close relationship with her. And I called her and I'm like, something isn't right. And she's like, you don't sound right. Um, and I could, I could feel my throat closing. I mean, I, I could feel it. It was getting harder to swallow. But luckily your body doesn't go into panic mode. You just know it's like literally one minute after the next, one step at a time. So she's like, call 911, I'll meet you at the hospital. So I did and they got here quickly, got into an ambulance and went to, went to the hospital. And, and I think the, the unfortunate thing of being 34 is they did not think stroke right away. And um, the first neurologist walked in and wrote me off as vertigo. And oh my that was it. So they put me in this observation room for 10 to 12 hours. And with stroke, time is everything. And so when we were informed that Thursday night, which I don't remember this, my family, you know, my neurologist said she's had a stroke. No one in my family's ever had a stroke. I've never even heard that word before. So the next few days were really, um, you know, crucial. I, I, was, I was in ICU. I, I don't remember much. I, was, I couldn't eat anything. They were really still just trying to diagnose what all has now occurred with the stroke. Um, and so after about a week, my brain didn't process much, I can tell you. I just remember I had lots of family and friends visit me. I did not recognize the fact that I wasn't able to walk um, or, or really eat. Uh, I just remember being feeling some pain still. Uh, and then I was, I was taken by ambulance to community north rehab across the street realizing okay i'm gonna have to now do some intense therapy here on some things that I, i'm gonna have to relearn so i did that um we was on the soft diet learning how to literally walk um because my balance was affected so walking a straight line and, and not feeling dizzy and um i didn't know then until i then transitioned into outpatient therapy that i lost 40 percent of my vision that I knew we were doing therapy behind visual loss, but it, they did not tell me specifically 40% of this is gone on your left side. Yeah. So then outpatient therapy, I went through that for about four months. And, and, um, I would say I was an overachiever just from the competitiveness <laughs> that lives within me. Right. So, uh, I, the emotional part hadn't come yet. I had seen my family and friends around me be really emotional at times and probably processing it completely different than I was. And I remember telling my therapist, I can't cry right now if I wanted to, nothing's happening. And she's like, that's okay. Your brain is still healing. It will come, it will happen when it's ready to happen. And so long story short, I, I went back to work and, and I think I just wanted to feel normal and, and um, you know, have some routine. And then after the year mark, the one year anniversary in March, I saw my neurologist in the tears flowed mm. out of control. And I, I just could not get a grip. And from a neurologist standpoint, she didn't understand that. She was like, what do you need? Do you want drugs? What can I do for you? <laughs> oh and I'm like, I'm not ready for the drugs yet. 
let's, let's try some therapy. And she's like, okay, I'll refer you. So she did. I had a couple of different options, went to those. Again, I was walking in emotionally drained. And after an hour with them, I walked out completely emotionally drained and would have to go home and, and go to bed. Like I was exhausted, fatigued, all of it. So that wasn't working. And so after conversation with, with one of my best friends referred, she's like, what about a life coach? And I'm like, I'm totally open to that. I'm open to anything. And I had only known of one other woman to have a life coach and she was the VP of our, of our company. And she talked about her life coach all the time. It's like, okay, let's do this. So she introduces me to Des and, and um, really through that first conversation of her explaining to me what coaching is, which is she was going to meet me where I am and then moving me forward to the next level, to the next level of accepting this new version of me, embracing it, um, and really just moving me forward. So that is where does came into my life. And in the summer of 2018. So let's unpack this a little bit. This is a situation where high achiever mode, you went from president's club, right? And now you're in this what is happening with my body moment, but you stayed in high achiever mode, right? So, so you really weren't processing the emotions because you were in that, we're going to get, we're going to go through the therapy. We're going to fix it. We're going to do it. We're going to all the things, right? Get back to work, get, get achieving again, which is typically the focus of most people that listen to this podcast, right? We're high achieving career women, but at some point, the emotions finally surfaced. And, and, and this is an important point that, that I, I really want to underscore because this is the case for most of us, whether you're going through trauma like you did or whether you're just in a, a heightened state of stress that you've normalized over time, is when we don't acknowledge our emotions, they will find us. Right. And so our, our, we are wired as humans to be personal, emotional, and social emotions are a key part of our strategy. They're a key part of our lives. We can't just put them to the side when they're inconvenient. And that's really what it took a year, but a year later, all of a sudden you're like, I got to do something with this. So, so that's point number one. Point number two is I love the, the, that you said, Hey, I want some therapy instead of just accepting, you know, whatever medication. And let's just, let's just keep numbing this thing out. Right. Oh my gosh. I got emotions. I'm sure there's a pill for those emotions. Like what the, how is that where we are as a society, right? Like it's numb out our emotions. Don't even get me started on that one today. And then the third one is with therapy, you didn't have the results that you were looking for because you were looking towards the future instead instead of looking at the past. And that's something that we've talked about and why I wanted you and Des to be on together today is to talk about that kind of relationship. So enter Des into the picture. And and so Des, tell us a little bit about your approach with, with this, because this is a little bit different than some of the work that you and I do in the corporate space. Mm-hmm. What was your approach when, when you started working with Jif on this? Well, I, I love the the three big takeaways that you just mentioned, Rebecca. Um, just, I just have to say, like, I was so taken back by Jif's story. Um, I mean, it, it really, like, it's kind of one of those things that's like, woo, that really captures you. And it's like, how can I, I've got to, um, 
be with this person, not get so tied up in the story that I can't make a difference. Because like Jip said, um, she at first had no emotions, couldn't cry, and then it didn't stop. And I mean, I think when we first said hello in that coffee shop, it was like, hi. And it was like, she shared that with me the first time we talked. She was like, I think I cried the entire first episode or first episode, first session. (laughs) The first few episodes, the first season. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, your question, Rebecca was, what is it? What was it like for me? Yeah. What was your approach? What were you thinking? uh, My approach truly, like, like Jif said, like meet her where she is. I knew that she with everything she'd been through and knowing that she is a, is competitive as all get out. Um, you know, I got that from her telling my story. I knew that she, she wanted to, um, get back to maybe get back to is not the right place, but wanted to move forward. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, I also knew that though, that some acceptance and do you remember like the question I asked you and you, you really didn't like it, Jeff? You know, but I was like, you know, this happened for a reason. And what is it? And she, it, she didn't. What? I'm so sorry to interrupt. What a profound moment it was. I'll never forget it. You you looked at me and said, did you ask? Hopefully this is the right one you're talking about. But you Go. said, yeah, it is. Did you ever ask yourself, why me? And I said, I, I know I said, I, I didn't ask myself that. I just saw everyone around me asking that, like, mm-hmm. why Jif? Why, how has it happened to her? Uh, and you said, why don't you ask yourself, why not you? And you just said it so with distinction. And I then was not ready to wrap my head around <laughs> that. Because yeah. that was a bawling disaster. Yes. But, but I wanted to, I wanted to know their purpose for this happening for, and you also said, things aren't happening to you. They're happening for you. This happened Mm -hmm. for you. So then I had to wrap my head around that. Well, and this, you know, you said I was a bawling mess. I think that in and of itself is, is as high achievers as well. We think that when tears and emotion overflow like that, that we're failing. And Mm -hmm. I think what Des and I love to recognize, help people recognize is that is a natural part of the human experience Mm -hmm. and it's not failure, it's processing. And, and I want us to become so much more comfortable showing and experiencing our emotions. Mm -hmm. And because it's really hard to do that for ourselves, the fact that you were willing and interested and eager to reach out and work with someone like Des speaks to your high achieverness. Um, you know, you're like, exactly. help me. Um, so I think this is a beautiful union, the way it, way it came together and you're just on, let, honoring that that's where she was. Yeah, it, it's, I, it, and you, I mean, honor, yeah. I mean, for us, we're, for all of us, we're all coaches, like what an honor it is to come alongside someone, you know, whether it's personal coaching or, you know, leadership, executive coaching, but what an honor to be able to come along someone and truly, you know, support and impact and help them on their journey. I mean, it's like, does it get any better than that? Like, absolutely. No. Absolutely. No. And, and I think that you're right. We are all our, we are all coaches. And I think 
as a part of the human experience and especially as career women supporting one another, when we can see it that way, whether it's your your friend that has called you and had a difficult conversation with her boss or whether it's somebody that's vying for a promotion, if, if we can just be in that space with them and honor that part of their story without feeling the need to, you know, fix or improve or change or mm-hmm. um, really do anything but just sit with them in it. I think that's the biggest gift that we can give each other. And I know like you, um, there are days that at the end of a really great coaching day, I just sometimes cry myself. And I just thank God that he's given me the opportunity to serve in that way, because it does feel like a sacred space sometimes. And this, uh-uh. this story more than any that I've heard from a coaching perspective spoke to my heart in that way. So I appreciate yeah. you two coming on to, to talk about it. Well, she's a rock star. I mean, just the courage that she has and, you know, and, you know, just commit, just commitment, her commitment to herself and, and that journey is, it's extraordinary. Um, I do want I want to say one thing you said earlier, Rebecca, about emotions. You made me think about, I had a coach years ago that, I don't know, I was probably crying in a coaching session (laughs) and I was like, Oh, you know, you you know how you, like you apologize. I'm sorry. And she was like, Des, how many times did I apologize to you? (laughs) I apologized every single time, every time, like many times. Yeah. Yeah. I do not want to be doing this right now. Right. And <laughs> yeah. Just, do you, and do you remember what time. I, do you remember what I said? Cause I echoed back what a coach said to me. I said, don't worry about it. Like tears are just our body's way of, of releasing stress, releasing that anxiety or whatever we're feeling. And I'm like, it's, it's a net, like it should be a natural thing for us to do and not have to apologize for it. In fact, once I learned that way too late in my life, by the way, like in the last few years, and I just turned 55, now that I know that, if I'm feeling just wound up in whatever way, in a good way, in a challenging way, anxiety, whatever it is, wound up, I will put on the notebook or something And just let that shit fly because it is, it is a release. It is just leaving it all out there in an exhausted way that I can then just crawl in bed, exhausted from the tears and wake Mm -hmm. up refreshed and new. Like I use it now as a strategy. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay. So that was a cliffhanger we left everybody on. So, so you, you hit her with these profound questions that she'd never thought about before. So then what, what happens next? Jeff? Many, many sessions later, I think it was defining my why. And I, I remember being in the corporate environment and what I loved about the company I worked for was that was important to them was to occasionally go around the table, go around the room and it would get deep. And that's what I love. It would, people could bring out that raw emotion because a lot of times it would, it would make you emotional. What, what is important to you? Why do you get up every day? Why do you go to work? And, you know, many kids, many, many of my coworkers around the table, if they have kids, that's, that's typically your why. That's why you get out of bed. And mm-hmm. as a, as a person who does not have children, um, that was, that was the game plan ever since I met my husband, we, you know, and I knew that I loved him a, a lot, but that wasn't my why. That wasn't why I got up. So I really struggled sometimes to define it before. 
and then working with Des and I mean, again, another moment was saying, my mom passed at 34 through something tragic and I survived something at 34. It is now my, my purpose and my why to honor her legacy and to pay it forward to, to others that are going through something I've already been through and can help them get to the other side. So I, rem- I don't know if you remember that, Des, doing that. I do doing the seven, seven layers deep, seven yeah. levels deep of getting to that moment of that's my why. Yeah. And there's a lot of, um, well, Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, has been a huge catalyst for these conversations. Now, now the why conversation has been happening in corporate America and in coaching for, for, a, for a while, uh, but it's really become normalized, which I love. Mm-hmm. And it is a significant part of both a grounding as well as a processing. And, and I work with my clients in that way too. And, and I think what's important about your, your story is that that trauma, tragedy, the, 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 the disruption of the great disruption of your life also needed a why statement. So so why statements don't always have to be this, you know, corporate missiony kind of stuff. Um, having a why for anything helps you process through it and, and, and ground you in it. So I, I love that that's the result that you got to with Des. Mm-hmm. Des, anything that you remember about it? And, and again, I want to highlight, you can't do this stuff on your own. If we would have sent you away, Jeff, and said, now go off and think amongst, think on, think on this for a little bit. We're going to give you a few weeks and we'll send you out to the mountains with the journal. You come back, <laughs> come back with all your time. That's the worst idea ever. Oh. Like we are not yeah. meant to live in isolation. Nobody thrives alone. Exactly right. And yeah. so Des coming alongside you was, was really the reason you could get there. Des, what do you remember about? that process? God, you know, it's one of the things I was thinking before this, before recording was like, I hope I remember like all those salient moments that Jip is going to bring up. And here's why, not that they weren't incredibly meaningful. And by the way, I do remember all of them, but it's like, you're in the moment, right? You're in the moment. And, and you don't maybe know the exact question that you asked, but, but arrive, like being curious, like the root word. So curiosity, the root word in curiosity is to care. So like just arriving curious and, 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 you know, and I was saying earlier, like I had to get out of my own way about Jip's story to be asked the questions that I knew that it's like, here, here come more tears. Um, you know, but, um, you know, what I do remember is, um, and you know, like a willingness to want to uncover, right? So, so, so important. And I, I do remember just how, how Jif was, um, even if it, even if it wasn't in the moment, she was still willing to say, I'm going to, I'm going to go back. I'm going to think about this. We're going to come back to that question and do the work, right? And and we can get to those places in our lives, let's say that we want to go, if we have a willingness to step into the uncertainty and have muster up, you know, whatever courage it takes for us to 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 get there. Yeah. 
So that's what I like. What I really remember was just um, her willingness. Mm -hmm. And the curiosity piece is so important. And again, this, this process can be applied. You don't have to be a a professional coach to honor someone with some curiosity about their story. Right. And, and what I love about honoring people's stories is that when, when we can do the work as, as you did Jeff, to step into this, when we can do the work for ourselves to really dig in and peel back the layers to get to that why and get to that inner knowing it's impossible to emerge from that experience without some curiosity about other people's stories, right? So it, it evokes this sense of empathy for others that we may not have had before. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything about that that resonates with you? I, I believe that's spot on. And, and as a new, newer coach, um, the people that I've already connected with is that they see that within me, that I can feel that with them and not just feel that for them and just understand the difference between sympathy and empathy, mm-hmm. but to, to really get it. Cause you know, it has taken me four years to stand proud in, in my story in the chapters that I've had in my book thus far, but it can, when it resonates with someone, I mean, that connection is just going to be that much stronger and knowing like, yeah, I want, I want to be where she is. I'm willing, like you said, the key is wanting to do it. And Mm -hmm. some of those other, like say stroke survivors out there, that's just not where their mindset is, is yet. They still want to be, go back to the old selves. They want to go back to what things were like before. And it's realizing, and that's not going to happen until you realize that. And you're wanting to accept and embrace this new version of you. You're going to stay stuck. So you have become a coach because of this experience, both with your own situation, as well as the great experience that Des was able to, to provide for you as your coach. So how's it, how's it going? I, I love that evolution of, of this story. How's it going to now be the coach? Yeah, I'm so proud of myself. And again, to, to talk to Des about the, the, huge piece I was struggling with. Well, there's a lot of struggling with, but the a key component of that was my own confidence and knowing that I was capable of doing it. And I knew from, from meeting one to the end that she believed in me so much more than I was believing in myself. And that got stronger as, as we went through our, our sessions, but to now overcome that, not that I still don't deal with a little bit of self-doubt now going through this coaching process, but, um, to look back and see where I've, where I've come. Um, yeah, I'm really proud of that and really want to, um, yeah, help others to overcome that, that self-doubt that they have and, and that lack of confidence and to believe that they can do whatever they want to do and still reach their full potential and more if, if they want to. So coaching has been, I'm going through a certification right now. I'm in month three of it and loving the community of women that I am a part of, um, cause they all have their own stories. And right now we're all doing the work on ourselves, which I love. It's understanding the own tools that we're being provided that way, awesome. you know, in the next few months, I will then have more confidence and credibility to utilize these tools with my clients. Mm, I love that. And, and, and there's levels to this, right? When you talk about confidence, there are levels that 
you'll get to a place of some confidence and then all of a sudden you'll have a new challenge and you'll be reaching out to Des again and saying, okay, so help me get to this next level. And the next time it may be somebody else, but we don't ever just check the box on, on that confidence thing, right? It's, there's something else coming around the corner that's going to challenge us in a new way. And that's, that's part of the human experience as well. And I have found the coaching community, the most abundant, beautiful set of people I've ever met in my life. And, and people have yep. even asked me before, why do you have other coaches on the show? Isn't that competition for what you do? And, and I quickly say, if you're, if you're a great coach, there's not competition is not the conversation. We all know that we have, there's, there's a market for each one of us and we're here to support each other in whatever way we can. So, um, Absolutely. that's the way the world's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. So Jeff, are you planning to work with stroke survivors as a part of your practice? I am certainly open to it. I have connected and had virtual intros with several stroke survivors, to be honest, over these last few months. And the ones I've connected with that are open enough to even hop on that call already seem to be in a, in a really good place and have overcome, you know, I always say, I mean, the physical part comes first. You really overcome and accept that part first. And then it's the mental and emotional work to be done after that. Um, So they weren't really who I, you know, knew I wanted to work with or needed to work with. And the stroke survivors that are out there that I feel like I would have the opportunity, they're the ones that aren't ready. They're the ones that don't want it. They're still, I mean, the stroke survivor groups that I'm on in Facebook, they could, it could be at a really high level and we're celebrating the small wins, or it could be a really dark place. Mm-hmm. And that's real to be honest and transparent. That's a hard, that's hard for me to a place to be in is to, to see what they're being open enough and saying, and they don't have the support and their spouses have left them and family and friends. They they're isolated. They don't have anybody mm-hmm. and their, their headspace is, is in really poor shape. And I struggle to say something that's going to be motivational where they're going to be like, Yep, that made sense. I'm gonna, you know, not sulk anymore. Um, but the women that have reached out are the ones that understand me from the standpoint of yes, I was able to go back to corporate sales, but through those next few months while I was working with Des, it was just like I was, I no longer knew, I was no longer fulfilled selling floor mats and restroom supplies, if you can believe that. It's like, this, this is not my calling anymore. Like, so, right. and she believed it. And she told me she, that I was going to be a coach before I, I even, I remember you telling me that. To be yeah. One. yeah. Yeah. So, but well, those are the women are like, I feel that I, I have, I have a husband, I have kids. I've got a great paying job, but man, something's missing. I, I'm not fueling my soul. Like I know I could be. And I love that. I love knowing a, you've got the awareness already but maybe you need that person in your corner that can help you envision that. And I get chills thinking about it just because I know there's, there's already one girl that's already made a move in a short amount of time of us talking where she's like, I am doing, I'm doing the damn thing. Yes. I love that's that. Awesome. I do too. And I, I'm guessing that there's probably lots of people listening that know us that know a stroke survivor or know there's somebody in their family or their circle of friends. And there is that dark pit of, I wanted to go back to the way it used to be. And you 
we're able to work with Des on on reframing what the future look like. But if you if there was somebody that was listening today that wanted to support someone going through um, that healing process, is that a key part of it? Is just being able to look at someone and and just sit with them in it and not have them feel the need to to want to pressure them to go back to the way it was. Is that a gift that they could give is to say, hey, you don't have to go back to the way it was, but what could the future be? And and I'm maybe I'm fishing in a place that there's there's nothing to be had here. But I just I would love to think that there's some way that that you we could help somebody that's in that dark place by providing their friend or family member with a little nugget of something that would help them help others. Maybe. Yeah, I I, I can just say I was blessed with a very supportive husband and supportive family and friends. And they would call me or they would take my call and here I am crying out of control. And I know if they could do something more, they would have, and they were, they were just listening and they were there for me, but it was like, I needed another person. I needed someone that I knew could help me out of this. And it was having this non-biased, non-judgmental person to support me in where I was. And, and I, I think it's people just, yeah, they want to be seen and they want to be heard and understood without judgment or bias. And so, so yeah, it's definitely just them being open and wanting to, to move forward and get out of the, the, the stuck they're in. I mean, yeah. Open dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we do put too much pressure sometimes as either entrepreneurs or uh, career women, whatever, that our spouses or our family members are our go-to for um, all the conversations. And I found, um, I learned the hard way that those aren't always our best resources for those conversations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's better to have an unbiased <laughs> coach and somebody that we can reach out and have those kinds of challenging combos with. True. Does anything you want to say to wrap up our episode today in terms of um, your support of GIF or just coaching in general? Gosh, um, that's a, that's a, wow. <laughs> You're asking a coach. That was a, a big that. question. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to echo, I'm going to springboard off what GIF said and just echo, you know, I ended up, um, just a couple of months ago, I have a really good friend who had a stroke. And the first person I called was Jeff. And I said, Hey, you know, I'm going to need some coaching here because, because I found myself not knowing what to do. And I knew, so Jeff was the first um, person I'd work with who was a stroke survivor um, at that, at the stage she was at. I may have worked with a stroke survivor before, but they were maybe further along um, but I, my friend who is just like two months from having a stroke. So I, I went to Jeff. And so that, that in itself, it's like, I'm going to a, a third party. And I just said, what's the best way for me to support. And Jeff was like, you know, like just be there with her and be supportive. And, um, it, you know, how, any way that you can. And I said, you know, I'm like, should I send notes and letters? She's like, sure. And she goes, and when you have the chance, you can ask her what she needs from you. And I'm like, it's perfect. Isn't it amazing how it yeah. all is connected in some way that we yep. don't know until we need it? Yeah. I mean, you say it all the time. We need community. And so yeah. it's like, 
maybe it's your maybe it's your inner circle community or maybe it's just right outside of that inner circle and whatever you're going with going through today don't don't be afraid to reach out because the chances are that somebody is wanting to support you and willing and um would just be open like jeff was open mm-hmm. to say help me yes. i love you ladies so much this was such a great so great i'm so proud of yes both of you and the work that you do and that i get to know you and share your story well it we like we get to know you let's be clear and it was it's cool for me to um just be continue to be a part of jip's journey to see what she's doing now so i really appreciate that opportunity it's like awesome really cool Oh, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I am honored to know you, Rebecca and, and Des. I mean, you you are my my true mentor and friend, and you've just been a blessing. And soon to be coaching client oh. when, you, when you start coaching me. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Oh, Full circle. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, ladies. I'm not coming down. I never liked it on the ground. I'm not coming down.